Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Howdy, Holstrand, and we're on live. This is KWAD Radio. And this is our second day in our brand new programming for the year, 2013. For those of you who thought we would all be gone by December 21st, guess what? We're still here. So, it's only appropriate on the 13th of February to talk about vampires. So here we thought we were dead or dying and now we're talking about the undead. (laughs) We're waiting on Alexander to come on board here. Until then, let's read about what he's all about. I talked to Alexander back in September, or no, I'm sorry, September, it was July of last year early July before 4th of July about his other book and Death of Deception was what we talked about had to do with Titanic suddenly resurfacing and the mystery and bizarre case and time travel of course as most of you know Time travel is my favorite subject. So, it's definitely an interesting read. You guys need to take a look at that. Under the chat, just below the information about the program, you can write your question in right there, so that way I can ask Alexander uh, those questions. And we'll talk a little bit about his Titanic murder mystery before we get into his uh, series on Dracula and his vampire story. So with that, I believe we have our main guest of honor here. And is that Alexander? Hello, yes. Hey Alexander, how you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing? Good. Can you hear I, me okay? Is it, uh... Oh, yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. I think okay. that... And I gave a little bit of, you know, we talked back in uh, July, believe it or not. It was July. Um, yes, I believe that's correct. I went back and double-checked to say, when did I, when did I talk to you? Yeah, it was July 2nd. 
And we had talked about your depth of deception, the Titanic murder mystery. That's correct. Which was published earlier last year. Yeah, we uh, published uh, to coincide around the centennial anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. Good timing. <laughs> so tell us a little bit of how that's been going. Uh, it's, it's not too bad. Um, surprisingly, the uh, ebook sales are are, are doing um, much better than print sales. Um, but you know, it's it's a whole new. It's a whole new world in the in the publishing industry as far as you know with the whole ebook. So it's it's quite popular, and uh, the feedback or the reviews from you know all over um, have been very positive. And, you know, and it's 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 kind of cool to get it from you know like uh, a review from from Italy or or somewhere else. You know, so you know people I have no idea. You know, so it's uh, it, it's been good that way. <laughs> Yeah, the publishing industry is really just flip flopped, and uh, it's it's yeah, you're right. Yeah, but it has opened up the market, as you say, into other countries, which is you know unusual. And apparently, you know, um, it can even take us into China and into Asia. So that would be interesting. Yes, that's uh, also relatively new, I believe. So just let everybody know. Uh, you can always come in anytime. I again have the chat open. If you are just you know know about Alexander's work or want to talk about vampires, but don't want to come on to radio, uh, just go ahead and put your question or comment into the chat, and I'll definitely let Alexander know what it is that you would like to say. Otherwise, I'm always open to guest calls. Please call seven one four. Two four two five one four five. I can imagine that this kind of subject definitely can get some interesting people and feedback. So uh, we definitely would like to have you on board and and talk. Because after all, we're live, so so should you be. So let's talk about the dead. <laughs> Sorry. What got you involved with the vampire story? Oh. Uh... <laughs> Really, it it actually goes goes back a, a long time ago. Um, I actually first came up with with the idea of doing kind of a modern day sequel uh, as a as a TV series idea, and this is this was back in 1992. So that's how far back this goes. And I had you know I wrote a, a pilot episode and the, the first couple of episodes as well as. Uh, they call a series Bible, um, which would have you know the character backgrounds, how it tied into the original book, and then um, the original book by Bram Stoker, and then uh, um, it's kind of the storylines and the story arc for the first like kind of five years. And the you know when I was sort of pitching it, the Dracula seems to have a very kind of a campy stereotype to him now. Um, you know, with the cape and the, the you know thick accent and the um, widow's peak hairstyle, you know, slick back. Um, so it, it was hard to get past that at first. So you know, I shot a promotional video and had uh, uh, got Mickey Rooney to narrate as Van Helsing, Professor Van Helsing from the past. You know, as you know how Dracula could have survived from the novel because uh, I found kind of a loophole in in. Uh, 
It just depends on interpretation in in Bram Stoker's last chapter, so uh, kind of left it open for a sequel. And uh, so I, I I I went with that, and then I shot this promotional video just to kind of show Dracula is not, you know, the the it'll be a little bit more darker, more to what you know Bram Stoker originally wrote. You know, has you know he wasn't a a nice character, and he was very dark and very intimidating and. Uh, so I wanted to kind of go back to that monster route, and um, uh, me living here in Toronto, um, you know, when I was pitching it around in Toronto, there was a, a vampire series being shot here at that time called Forever Night. Now this is, goes back a while, mm. so I don't know how many vampire fans remember yeah, Forever Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was shooting here in Toronto at the time, and the... Toronto uh, Canadians generally we have a reputation of being nice, and we and we and we try to be nice, and the, and I got the nice response. Well, there's already a vampire series shooting in in, in Toronto, so we, you know we don't want to compete against that that, which is a very strange mentality. Um, and because you know by by comparison, you know you get in the United States, you know you get one successful kind of TV show, then everybody copies it. You know that style. Hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, good example CSI. You know how many, how many uh, how many CSI have there been? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then, um, so like I said, I, I tried to shoot. I shot this video, and then I, 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 uh, I started pitching it down to the United States, and it, and I, they, it got some good feedback. Um, they liked the video. They just found it to be a little too dark for television. And thought it was, you know, so I'd gone to the you know, the opposite extreme as far as they were concerned. I, I tried to show that he wasn't campy, but they thought he was a little too dark. And then the following year, the X Files came out on TV, and which completely changed, you know, what darkness is on on television. And then the, shortly after that, Buffy came out, and then it was like, well, uh, do you have any kung fu vampires? No, that's not what we were going with. So I, I kind of shelved it for a while, and and you know although I had worked on other kind of Dracula projects, even uh, stage productions, um, that had always kind of been in the back of my mind. I never got back to that, and you know and then now I've, there's been a lot more, a lot more vampire shows on. You know you got True Blood, you got The Vampire Diaries, uh, you know, and then you get some really good. Uh, Shows like uh, Walking Dead, which is not vampires, but we're going in, again into that Monsters, that yeah. genre, and mm-hmm. and I look at I look at these and go, and mine was dark because <laughs> mine right. actually, if it, the, the, the the promo video I shot looks so tame and so pale in comparison to what has television has evolved since you know over the last twenty years, and. Um, so and I thought, well, you know, I'm not gonna. I didn't want to try to start start going that and pitching that all over again. You know, then trying to compete against some, you know, very good established shows right now, and it would just mm-hmm. seem like a copycat, even though I came up with this 20 years ago. Um, right. So, it was, and I and I was working on another writing project, and I do, you know, I had hit a moment of writer's block, and I do what a lot of writers do when they hit writer's block and or you know trying to you know waste time they go on to facebook and so i was you know just sort of 
tooling around on Facebook, making comments to, you know, whatever. And I, there was one post somebody had posted, and there was some interesting banter going back and forth. And it, what it was is, is, is irrelevant. But uh, as I was kind of watching it or reading it, it, it occurred to me, I was reminded um, of why Bram Stoker's novel, Dracula, has never been properly translated to film. Uh, which is impo- kind of impossible because Bram Stoker, for those of you who have read Bram Stoker's novel, know that it's um, written in journals and diaries, uh, diaries and journals and letters and telegrams, and you follow the story through this this interesting way of of, uh, of communication, just through communication correspondence or introspective um, journal writing. So mm-hmm. it's all very narrative and all inside the head and. You know, it isn't until the characters, the heroes, compare notes, literally, that they realize what they're up against. Meanwhile, the audience knows, you know, right from the beginning, you know, what it is and what Dracula is. But it it takes them a while to figure it out. And there's just little bits of clues that that everybody has. And once they put all those clues together, you know, can they successfully defeat Dracula? And so that's why that's never been kind of told, or it's hard to do that on film. Because, like I said, it's all very, very narrative, very, um, very inside the head. And then, as I'm reading this this Facebook um, banter that I was kind of involved in, it was well, this is the new form of communication that you know they, we have. We have emails, we have blogs, we have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have all sorts of interesting ways of communicating now. And and that just kind of mauled over my head, and then I just I took my pilot script and I just took the first scene and reworked it and started telling it using uh, a blog, an email, a text message, a Facebook status, and yeah. thought, okay, well this is this is a this is kind of a new, um, interesting way of of telling the sequel in the style that Bram Stoker did, but using the the pretext of social media. And so, therefore, that and that's how and that's how it came to be. And I just sort of experimented, put one up, and just saw decided to see what the reaction was, and the feedback was good. And so I'm just continuing along, just plugging away. So there it is. <laughs> the long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> well, let's go back and talk a little bit. Uh, we're, we're discussing the fact that Bram Stoker originally wrote um, his story in diary format. And it reminds me of Time Traveler's Wife, where, you know, basically she was writing in that type of style, diary. And when I found out they were going to make that into a movie, I thought, how in the world are they going to do that? Because, again, they she, she, they would have to totally rewrite the story in order to make it any kind of, you know, diary, uh uh, you know, uh, entries from the wife's point of view. Not sure if you've read Time Traveler's Wife, but that's how that's no, done. No, I haven't. Yeah, and I thought, how in the world are they going to make that into a movie? So, yeah, they did well with it, but again, they they basically had to uh, change it because they went from several points of view there. Right. The, not just the wife's point of view, you had his point of view, because otherwise... We ne- we would have never seen some of the things, you know, some of the uh, the the ways in which uh, you know he came in and out of their lives, and how he felt about that, and 
you know, the, the daughters, you know, her being able to have, you know, the, the gift of being able to move through time, but she was able to control it. So uh, that's, you know, <laughs> just goes to show you that, yes, you guess you can make something into a uh, a script, but it does take a lot of overhaul, I think. Well, not having read the book, so how did you find, how, in comparison to the movie, to to the book, having... Honestly, I, I like the movie better. <laughs> yes, um, again, I, I'm kind of one of those people who like to find out more about the characters, and I think that if you're just writing from one point of view in diaries, you're, you're definitely stuck in, in one point of view. Um, right, okay, yeah, I can see that. Whereas, whereas uh, by contrast, uh, Stoker's novel was not uh, totally one point of view. <clears throat> it started off with the character of Jonathan Harker, and then we get the point of view from his fiance, and then we got the point of view of this random doctor who at, fir- at first we just think he's just a, a random psychiatrist treating this weird wacko patient, and they all start to get interconnected. Um, and so you get to the different points of view. You get the telegrams going back and forth between the characters, and there were far more characters than are usually used in in retelling Dracula in the movie, um, with the exception of Francis Ford Coppola's version. Kind of used most of the characters, although he, you know, added in the love story that did not exist in the in the original novel. And the only point of view that we never get in the original novel is Dracula's point of view. We're never the readers are never inside his head and what he's thinking and how he's so it, it it kind of adds to that kind of making him more mysterious because you don't know his motives you don't know what he's up to right right um, and and so i've i've kept that uh with with undead as well on what i've done online well so far he's just bringing him back from the bottom of the ocean um but you know so there's no way at this point he hasn't had a chance to give a point of view but um uh there's there's everyone else's kind of and I'm not again I'm not sticking with one point of view and I'm doing it a little bit faster and quicker than than Bram Stoker's novel Bram Stoker you know could spend the first 3 chapters and going into long exposition on the countryside of how it looks like in, in Transylvania and everything else, which you know, and it, it makes for for good reading. It's a good gothic novel, but you know, if I'm doing this online, it's I've decided okay, I'm going to just make it very quick, almost suited to the to the episodic like t- episodic television is, you know, just very sh- quick short scenes. Ah. So do we ever do you actually get into the head of Dracula and do we see his point of view? Uh not at the beginning. Um of course I'm not going to say we we're, we're never going to. Uh, but it's it's going to be it's 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 going to be difficult to see how I'm going to how we're going to do that cuz he he is going to be in a kind of a fish out of water scenario where he has been at the bottom uh, of the ocean for the past 70 years in the in a U-boat. And now, you know, you know, for last the world he last saw was in World War Two, and now, you know, how much has changed from 1944 to present day? So, um, so it's it's that's going to be I'm going to have a little bit of fun with that, um, but still, I'm I'm keeping him very very much a monster, and have you know have added like a the last chapter we have that's online there now has a kind of an audio clip from the U-boat during a distress signal and you hear the attack of the 
of whatever creature they brought up from the they don't know what they brought up, you know, from the from right. the bottom of the ocean. Yes, and I know you got episode you have the prologue up and as well as chapter one and two on your website. Yeah. Yeah. The and number three will be going up uh this Friday. And explain to us the organization of your uh of your website here. For those who uh, is, I have I have the uh that's for those who are listening. On the chat I've got his actual uh, direct link to the undead uh hyphen series dot com. If you click on that you can see go directly to his home page and then kind of tell us yeah, because you, you see you see that image of a tablet. So explain that and how to get around in your website. Uh, well, the tablet is just a, an image, kind of weirdly came with the template of the website, um, and I decided to use that, being that I'm doing the whole social media thing. So that's just an image thing. Um, but there's a start button there on the uh, on the left side, I believe, and. Uh, and just click on that, and that takes you to the straight to the prologue. And or you, there is a from the top. The, it says chapters. You can there's a drop down menu, and you can just select you know chapters. Therefore, if you've already been following along, you don't have to go right from the beginning. You can use the drop down menu to take you to the you know the the latest chapter that's been posted there. Um, so you can and then at the at the end of each chapter, it links to the links to the next one. And vice versa, at the top of each chapter, it says continued from and linking back to the, the previous one, just in case um, you click the wrong one. Okay, and the and, uh, the audio file that you have on there is of Van Helsing uh, recording uh, on a phonograph. Yes, that's that's in the uh, that's in the prologue. Okay, and so th- what you're saying is that. Some of the thing keys that you found out uh, and is actually being brought forward, but the the actual timeline is actually current. Uh, the timeline for for the for for these things that you're finding, you know, you're using uh, modern day says email and whatnot uh, is, and they pulled up this the monster. Obviously, they pulled up Dracula from the depths of the ocean. Uh, what year did they do that? Uh, oh, the the setting the setting right now is is actually July nineteen twelve. So it's uh, as if this was um, just uh, just a few months ago, really. You know, just about six months ago, or whatever. Twenty twenty twelve or twenty twelve, right? Yeah, twenty twelve. <laughs> okay. And it, and so, and, so and, we're, and the and the community. And the communications are, you know, things with uh, iPhone texts or Facebook. There's a like a face, almost looks like a screen capture of a Facebook um, status, and you see the comment there. Or, and then likewise in the next chapters, uh, there's like a quick screen capture of um, uh, of a text of a, you know, just a text on an iPhone. And so it's just those little little bits just to break it up, um, just to kind of make it easy. So it's not a case where people have to. Follow the story on, 
you know, logging into several different social medias. It's all on the website and it's all in, in chronological order going along, you know, starting from the beginning, from the prologue, continuing on. And each each chapter will tell the story. And then, you know, there's an email. And then right in between an email, right after an email, there could be like a Facebook um, screen capture. And then right after that is uh, just a, a personal uh, blog entry. And uh, just, again, just following it... Uh, Following the story through through the different points of views through correspondence, just it's a, just a different style of correspondence. And this is something Bram's, you know, when Bram Stoker was um, wrote his novel uh, that was published in 1897, he was also using a lot of things that were very new uh, as far as uh, technology was concerned back then. Like the one character recorded all of his journals onto um, a phonograph. Uh, that was Dr. Seward, and so there, that's why we say this at the, in the prologue. There's this old recording, Van Helsing recorded on Dr. Seward's phonograph, and so we have this old, uh, and made it sound like it was an old recording, you know. And then, right. um, and then you know other things like the the kind of typewriter that he describes is very new um, uh, to the in that time period. So now we're now I'm using. You know the the technology or the tools that we have, uh, and I also we have one character who is um, visually impaired, but she she does send messages, and that you know is one of those things I researched and found that there is an app for for the um, for using for a, a person who is is visually impaired to actually be able to send text messages uh, braille using braille. And so, so I've you know incorporating that sort of thing. The U-boat finding that in the summer that was actually also I took straight from uh, from the news. There was uh, recorded. Uh, um, they did find uh, a U-boat, a German U-boat that was sunk just off the coast of uh, the United States in the summer. And about a week later, they found another one off the coast of Canada. Um, so it was one of those things that they're they're just you know they're just. Uh, they've been sitting there for the past seven years, so I decided to use that uh, kind of current event into the story into the storyline. Yeah, and likewise, yeah. Bram Stoker did that with um, when he had his novel. If you're familiar with it, when the Dracula arrives on the ship, the Demeter, and it crashes on the shores of Whitby, um, there was an actual uh, Russian schooner, which is what he was traveling on, that had uh, crashed on the shores of, of Whitby uh, a few years earlier than what he had. Headset, and the name was very similar to uh, <laughs> to what he called it in the book. Yeah. You know, so so again, I'm kind of kind of mirroring what he had done. Uh, even when you know when when Dracula arrives, it's again using his thing. But suddenly, there's this huge storm, and that 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 follows Dracula as that Russian schooner made its way to Whitby. There's this terrible storm that hit because um, Dracula has this control over the weather. Well, in the setting that I've set it, when it hits New York, on the huh. on the day that he's brought up, July 18th, there was a freak storm that hit New York, and they had just had a heat wave, and then suddenly, <laughs> on that date, this freak storm came out of nowhere, and was there was flooding in some areas, and there was also hail about the size of of um, quarters or some even the size of golf balls coming down. Huh. So and so, I've incorporated that, that into into the story, just to kind of um, tied into kind of in a postmodern way. Mm. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's always fun to do that as authors, uh, finding something, a thread of reality and wave, weaving it inside your story. As when you deal with history, you can do that. Yeah, and me being, you know, as you recall from from Depth of Inception, how much historical mm-hmm. research I put into that. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, even, even doing something that's only six months ago, I'm putting a lot of historical research into, you know, so it's... Uh, it's kind of fun and, and ironic. <laughs> yeah, it does make it uh, give a sense of reality to the unreal. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm going to go back a second and talk a little bit about, um, I have some friends who uh, I'm sure you might be familiar with Being Human, the TV series. Yes. They've got the British version and you have the American version. And I have many uh, cross, either they like the American version or the British version better. Uh, Some people say that the American version is is a lot bloodier and more violent. Uh, And they find that the British version is is more humorous. I'm not quite sure where they get that from, but uh, the British, you have kind of a weird sense of humor. So what do you think about the versions of the same type of story? Well, he, he, that's actually a really interesting question because you, you get that uh, across a lot of different things, not not just, of course, vampires, but you also get it like there's the uh, Sherlock Holmes, and, of course, he's been done in all sorts of different ways. Uh, and, of course, there's a very successful BBC uh, updated version of Sherlock Holmes. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's now, I think it's into its third season, and it's it's uh, it's very popular now. They've They've started an American one. Uh, with Watson being a girl, also an updated modern-day Sherlock Holmes. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, you you get things like this that you're going to get a different. Uh, it, and it's open for different different interpretations. You know, and even even Dracula. There's um, you know there's there's other Dracula. I think there's another Dracula project in the works, and there's a young Dracula series which I have not actually uh, seen yet. Um, but uh, and and like I said, there have been so many film versions of of Dracula. I can't even count them. Uh, and uh, I had a book that had that listed them all, and it's already like uh, woefully out of date um, because there have been you know many since then and. Um, and you know you you're going to get different interpretations some will be good some will be bad and also everybody has you know different tastes you know so there will be people who will like the british version or who will maybe like that kind of humor or people who want more gore or want more guts uh i per- personally prefer more of the psychological the the suspense um i've as you know i'm old school fan of Alfred Hitchcock, you know, and, and his way, ah. his his reasoning. It's not the gunshot that is is frightening; it's the anticipation of it. Yeah. That scary. Yeah. And uh, and so and and that's kind of more how I'm, because the, this is going to be a little bit more um, as opposed to a television series, and this is something that I kind of reworking as I'm going along. You know, I can't. I'm not. Whereas I was writing, you know, special effects sequence like this. Whatever special effects, and this is something I, I noticed from, you know, something like the X Files or other shows. Sometimes it was better not to, to show, 
Because mm-hmm. what, the, what the audience imagined was far worse than anything that you could create with special effects or computer generation or, or whatever. Um, kind so, like, and that's kind of what... Kind of like Jaws. Sorry? The movie Jaws. They didn't have the shark ready. So we never really got to see the shark until near the end. Yeah. And yet, it was, it was quite scary. <laughs> Yes, I mean, it is, yes, and uh, and um, yeah, I had watched actually a documentary on the making of that, and they tried. They had this mechanical shark, and they called it Bruce, and they tried to get it, it ready, and it just it would, you know, it just wouldn't. It would constantly break down. So you know, Steven Spielberg shot around it, and um, yeah, I think it, it's it's a really scary movie because you don't see and just. That those chords from John Williams, as soon as you just hear it, every it just sends shivers up people's spines. Yeah, the beginning, for instance, when the uh, young girl is in the water and it's dark. Yeah. And we don't, we don't, you don't see any. I mean, there's not even any indication that there is a shark that got her, but we know that there's a shark that's got her, and uh, that's <laughs> horrendous to us. That you know what's what's going on there. Um, and you got to give that actress credit because <laughs> she's selling it. There's nothing. Oh there. yeah, she's, yeah. She's, she's yeah, she's you know, she's and it's it's a terrifying scene. And the way it was shot, it just looked like it was just out in the middle of absolutely nowhere in the ocean, nobody around. Completely on her own, naked even. You know, so she's yeah. she's vulnerable in every way. And here, you know, the sharks got her. <laughs> yeah. There's no way to get to her in time. Not that, not that the kid uh, apparently he was too drunk to do anything, but you know, uh, it's uh, that that's a horrific type of scene. And again, we never did get to see the shark until near the end. And when we did see the yeah. shark, we had the 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 great line, you know, says, "We're going to need a bigger boat." <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's a great that's a great line. <laughs> And, and you're talking about, uh, uh, in fact, I said something to somebody recently about uh, Alfred Hitchcock. And he does that a lot. You don't really see, um, or, or you don't really get any answers. For instance, in Birds, the movie Birds, we we never did find out why the birds went crazy. No, I, actually, Alfred Hitchcock was, was kind of famous for doing that that sort of thing. And it's what he would call his the the MacGuffin, and MacGuffin was is what he called it. It's something that is important to all the characters, but the audience doesn't really need to know why it's important. It's just important. We have to get the microfilm, and everybody these spies from who knows where are trying to get the microfilm, and they will stop at nothing to get it. We never find out what's on the microfilm, but it's important <laughs> to the characters. Well, here's the, the curious thing about that. I don't think it would fly in this time frame anymore. Because uh, people now, it's kind of like they've gotten smarter when it comes to, or they're they're more demanding on the full story. I'm not sure if if that would fly anymore. I think that that, that we would demand more of the story. I'm not sure if anybody could redo that movie. 
No, pro- no, probably not. And since I, I'm totally against anybody redo it, trying to redo Hitchcock films. Um, but uh, I, I think again, it, it all depends on on how it's done or what you do. Well, even depth of deception. Uh, the when I wrote the ending, and I thought people are either going to really like it or really hate it. It would be no in between. And and I was surprised at the, you know, from the feedback, I just, you know, people were thrown by the ending and and the feedback has been positive. You know, they loved it, you know. So no one has actually wrote and said they hate the ending. Uh, if anybody has, I haven't heard yet. So um, they're welcome to, to, to comment. But, you know, uh, I knew... Doing because of of and without without giving it away that I was that it was not it wasn't going to be totally explained you know. Mhm. There you go. Well, it, it does open it up to uh, perhaps do something else. Uh, did you say you were going to do something? Uh, re, you know, after that, in regards to with that story. With that story. Yeah. Uh, not not with that one. No, I I'd gone on and and started working on on different on a on different novels. Um, uh, okay. the, the one that I was working on. That. <laughs> Sorry. What you working on now? <laughs> uh, the the one that I was working on that actually I hit a, a bit of a writer's block and it was just more on logistics. Um, was uh was a story set in. 1827 France, where uh, young Victor Hugo, um, who's the the royal poet, is is caught up in by mistaken identity is caught up in a, in a in a crime and is finds himself you know kind of running for his life and trying to clear his name or hide who he is in order to not uh, embarrass his name and then. He, along the way, he meets char- people that will come into being in his novel. That uh, the character who in- inspired Javert, the really poor people, and there was. I took this from again from history that something happened in 1827 that radically changed Victor Hugo. He had been a royalist, loyal to the king, writing poems and sonnets and you know odes to him, and. Something changed. Something he totally just did a complete 180 and went uh, totally against the monarchy, uh, writing against it, uh, writing plays and stuff. Uh, you know, trying to champion against the poor. And he um, this is still you know 30 years or more before he wrote uh, Les Misérables. So uh, it was what happened in 1827 that changed him so drastically. And you know, even when I, I he has his memoirs. When I looked up in his memoirs and trying to find, you know, in 1827 what he's talking about, the only thing he mentions th- that year is the box office receipts for one of his plays. Isn't mm. quite what you know what he had hoped it to be, and that's it. You know, so that's I decided to started to come up with an idea of what you know of a storyline, mm. and. Then started researching the history of what was happening at the time politically and with all the characters that he knew, and a story. It just sort of started to fit into place, you know. So it's it's fictional, but using using historical events and and historical people. Very cool, very cool. Reminds me a little bit of. of I'm sure if you got to see the Raven. 
it's uh, regarding the, I mean, obviously a different character whatsoever, but again, taking ideas from what happened in that time period because we don't know so many things about uh, Edgar Allan Poe. And right. some, some things we do know. And so the author was able to, you know, decipher some things and make up some things, which wound up being, and of course, twisted phrases a bit, I think, uh, in order to make the story work. So if you haven't seen it, it's something that definitely just interesting thing to see. Uh, but that's just taking something, that, you know, that's already been written and finding out, as you see, a little thread of idea, which is kind of fun for an author to be able to find oh, those yeah. and, and, and Like I said, as I was reading it through and finding people that he had been with or had interacted with, and then, you know, as I'm reading in biographies or reading things, I said, well, you know, Victor Hugo used that that historical person for the character of, you know, this in, in Les Miserables or used that in in uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame, you know. So it's 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 been interesting in that way, and so therefore, you know, as I'm as I'm writing as I was writing the story and weaving it together, and also even doing the historical notes simultaneously, just so I didn't have to go back and try to find where I had had it all before. So it's just a it's just been a nice little a nice little adventure that way. And that this would have this I structured to be. Um, book one of of three. It would be a three book um, because huh? actually I had started I'd started the story in 1830 you know, of what was happening uh, then politically. But the, I realized as I was working on that story, there was still something I still needed to know what happened in 1827 that changed him to be what he was by 1830. And so I thought, okay, well I have to tell that story first. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so that one will be book two. You know. So that and. Um, so that's how that's that's been that's how that's evolved. So yeah, so very very different uh, genres from going from you know the depth of deception, which was 1982, but you know with the uh, the Titanic murder mystery and you know the Dracula in present day and uh, Victor, a young Victor Hugo in 1827. So well, well, you think you're probably not any thread, but you have a, a thread of history. I mean, yes. you, you definitely like the history, and and you do research based on history. And so that's something that, that we talked about before, and that and it's so important for authors to, and and for people to appreciate um, who read fiction. We don't just make up stories. It's you have to have some kind of, especially when it comes to history, some kind of thread of reality, and that takes research. An awful lot of research, actually. That's, oh, and that's research. sometimes it, it's it slows me down, and uh, and and you can get bogged down on the research. So the the research can start to taking over because you because you really you you try to be um, accurate, you know. And I, I was actually on a panel at the um, Bloody Words uh, conference. It's for for mysteries and crime fiction in Toronto, and I was on a panel discussing historical research. And there's one person, uh, one author, talked about you know just how much research she had put into her novels, and she was, she had even gone to England where she had said it, you know, and then and and noted what flowers were there and everything else, and wrote, you know, wrote all you know about the architecture and what was there and everything else, and then some botanist <laughs> wrote to her, and she was telling me 
how that 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 specific that one kind of flower had not been uh, pollinated or created at the time that she had set her novel. Like, how would you know that? So there would be, you know, that somewhere, and no matter how much research you do, yeah, you know. It's it's almost impossible to find every little detail, and there'll be something will slip through the cracks. And you really try to do uh, as much as you can. Yeah, I had somebody who said, "Hey, that that river would never go um, anywhere in that air, area of India." And that, and I said, "No, that's not true." Because I actually went back and found out where where that particular river actually diverted and had changed. So before that time period, it would have gone that direction. So, you know, and, yeah, and that, that's why that's why it's good to have those those kinds of. Uh, and and even, you don't you find know, those those kind of details always on the internet either. You know, I found that I found those details in an actual encyclopedia. Right, exactly, um, and that's like even for this story of um, uh, with you know, Victor Hugo, I have to go back and find old maps and you know sometimes you know there are you there are maps of old paris uh, on the internet but not exactly that specific time period because th- with all the and there was like several small revolutions you know one of which uh, right. is depicted a smaller one depicted in the musical les misérables but um there are um there were so many things that kept changing the face of paris um and it was you know, and it was it was for me it was a, a challenge of trying to find, you know, what streets existed, what was because it it has so drastically changed, you know, um, even from, you know, there was one map on there that's uh, 1836, and you don't think that from 1836 to 1827 there would be that much that huge a change, right. well, there actually was. So, and yeah, it 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 is it is tricky to try to find. Those little, those little details. So it, it's not so much the internet that you use; more or less, you have to actually physically go and actually get the research books. You know, find these kind of details that were other people have written things in that period. Yep. Yeah, okay. I have. Uh, I ended up <laughs> have uh, a bunch of books. Actually, I think I was on a blog earlier just because I had. In order to jumpstart the no- that novel, because I, I, I had spent like about five months researching, and at, at some point you have to go, okay, that's enough with the researching. It's time to actually start writing it. Yeah. And uh, so I was part of the uh, took part in the NaNoWriMo uh, back in November, the the contest where you have to the national yeah, yeah where you have to write a, a fifty thousand words in thirty days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided I was going to use that to jumpstart it. And just before I, I started, I took a picture of these are the research books I have for this story, Lutetia. And uh, so that was, you know, and, the, and it's all different different photos, different, you know, there, I have books that have pull-out maps, um, picture, you know, some old pictures uh, of old Paris, you know, and it's, and even uh, there's one book I have that shows a comparative that shows, see, this is how the street looks now, this is how it looked like back then, you know. So, so yeah, did, you, it, did, did you make your did you the, make the internet? The words? internet is very limiting, even yeah. as, as expensive as it is. Um, it is it is limiting. So, and <laughs> always not accurate. You have to really, you know, double, triple check sometimes some of the yeah. information that get that's on the internet. 
Yeah, and I do tell authors that all the time now. Just like uh, don't take your first thing. You need to, you know, if you're going to find something on the internet, it's good to find some written work somewhere that has the same information or something close to it. So, yeah. Uh, so when you wrote NaNoWriMo, uh, did you make your 50,000 words? Yes, I did. I actually, I, I, I made it to uh, the 50,000 mark uh, the day before the, the last day of November, although it did not reach the end of the book. I realized as I was, get, as, as I was reaching the 50,000, I'm not near the ending yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it'll be closer to, uh, you know, 80,000 words. Not, not quite, but it'll be around the 80,000 mark. Well, that's a typical right, size of a you know decent sized book. Um, yeah, which, which oddly I didn't think I didn't think it was going to be. I thought you know it would be like kind of uh, initially when I was saying I was going to tell the 1827 story before the 1830, I thought it was going to be kind of like a little novella, like The Hobbit is to you know Lord of the Rings. This is just going to be the little short book before the the bigger story. No, apparently not. <laughs> it's uh, it got to be a little more. A little more interesting as the more I researched and as the the story the story took took a life of its own. Well, that's that is how it works, isn't it? I have so many yeah. authors to to say, well, you know, I tell them, well, my characters have the story, and they look at me like they have no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm going, uh, okay, so your characters don't talk to you? And they said, no, in that case, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Well, actually, no. I I totally had I had that with um, uh, with with depth of deception. The one character, he just he would sometimes take the stories in areas that I had not pre-planned, and the character just went in in a totally different direction than what I had had planned. And uh, weirdly, um, started when I was doing that with with this. You know, suddenly Victor Hugo would do something that. And I had to, st- and I would stop and go, okay, does this make sense? Would Victor Hugo actually do this? You know, and then I start doing doing a little bit of research. You know, and it's one. It was a little minor thing. He needed to kind of get away from the police, and so I'm having him jumping from rooftop to rooftop. I'm sure you, it would be hard to imagine. You know, the image you have of Victor Hugo of him jumping from rooftop to rooftop. Well, there was this kid that he. He had known when he was when he was younger when he lived in in the Latin Quarter. Uh, name was Delong, who um, who would get into trouble uh, jumping from rooftop to rooftop. And he was a good friend of Victor Hugo. And uh, Victor Hugo tried to correspond with him and help him in later years, not realizing he was he had become a criminal. And just by him doing this correspondence and 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 reaching out to him, um, you know, kind of. Uh, incriminated him. Victor Hugo, yeah, and he was suddenly under the watchful. And this is actual historical documentation, you know, that this this happened with Victor Hugo, and he he wrote this letter, and you know, this kind of got him into trouble, and he didn't know that, you know, and um, and didn't really fully understand the the implications of him corresponding and offering him, you know, you can always come and stay with me. Well, that's harboring a, a fugitive. So, ah. Um, <laughs> You know, and so and then finding so finding these little historical details where okay, this was his friend who used to jump from the rooftop to rooftop, you know, and get into trouble that way. So okay, I'm just going to use that in the story. 
That's great. Again, weaving in reality, things that really happened, uh, gives a depth of the story that I think a lot of you know readers really like. So, well, I know I, I certainly did from you know the the kind of books that that I was influenced by the the things that the books I enjoyed. Uh, I was actually talking recently uh, with a friend of mine uh, who was a huge. Uh, John Jakes fan writing who you know wrote uh, early American history stuff and um, I remember reading his North and South series and how I actually because of reading those books I passed my American history um, exam not from what I actually read in the textbook but from what I had read in this fictionalized story of this these families <laughs> Which goes to show you, you must have done his research very well. Exactly, and, yeah. that, and the, the the irony is, is that I almost failed history because I hated history in high school. <laughs> and now you you write a lot of it. <laughs> yes, that's that's the that's the irony. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, let's get back to your Dracula. I was wondering if if you're doing it based on something going on today which of course makes it a urban fantasy if we have CSI let's just kind of brain kind of blue sky here for a second as my friend Phil likes to no, do this is, this is fine this is kind of this is kind of the feedback I've been hoping for to get from, from some people as as I'm posting this online and um, I've, I've just been getting you know kind of feedbacks of people you know liking things but I haven't heard anything uh in regards to asking specific details like this. So go ahead, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. People, like they give you a one-dimensional uh, idea yeah. of what they like about your story, don't really tell you any in-depth things or give you any other other idea that you can expand on. Uh, I, I hate that, but that's not the way I am. Um, okay, so, so anyways, you were, you were asking in regards <laughs> to the... the... So if, if we have CSI now, do you think that's you know being the story based on Fletcher Bram Stoker's uh, you know going in and out of uh, you know the things that he did you know Dracula did to the girls to the women? I think it'd be a lot tougher for a character like Dracula to actually get away with that. Um. Yes. Uh... <laughs> Uh, it, it would be in 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 the traditional sense, um, uh, obviously. Um, interestingly, and this was um, in in my n- the 1992 um, uh, series in the script, I had two detectives in the storyline who would be following and, and looking into this. Um, and one detective was named Cotford, and I took this. Uh, Cotford was. And this was a page in um, in this book uh, written by David Skull, who's um, a scholar on on Dracula, and he had in this book the the and it had to do mostly you know the, from book to screen and talking about you know the evolution of Dracula from the novel to you know how he's portrayed on film and in theater. But in in this book early on, he had this page from Stoker's actual handwritten notes. And um, and I think this book was published in 1990. 
Uh, yeah, it was around there because I was uh, he'd used that as reference for the '92 series. And in there, he he talked he lists all these characters. Uh, there was a character of Kate Reed. Uh, there was this this woman who's not in the novel. Uh, there was a detective Cotford, and so he, he had this detective in mind to be used in the in the novel, but it, that character never ap- appeared in it. Um, and then he had other uh, other characters uh, in there whom I've already I've already started using some of those names of the characters he hasn't used. Uh, I started using in in this uh, the online series, um, uh, two of which appear in the prologue, and then uh, what will be coming up in pretty soon will be uh, Cotford and Kate Reed will be um, will be investigators investigating what has happened um, with some murders. And however, I'm still using the the mythology that Bram Stoker created. So I'm going to still continue on with the doesn't show up in, in reflections and, and uh, unable to be photographed. Um, so I'm I'm toy, uh, so I'm still going to use that. So that's going to kind of mess things up as far as an investigation is 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 concerned. Um, the <laughs> the way it was with the with the little puncture wounds and the and the draining of the blood. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, I think that's become a little too cliche. So it's going to be just a little bit more violent in in it. But uh, uh, right now, it has been a little more violent and gruesome only. But you know, he's been underwater for seven years. He's really thirsty, so he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. on, he's, he's on. He's kind of on a killing spree. And then, really, if you think about it, you know, and and the murders that he committed in 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 the book that was in the early 1890s. By comparison to what crime exists in in how certain criminals are, and you know. He's he's kind of a little bit tame in comparison. So, so I'm 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 playing with I'm still toying I'm still on the fence with how far I'm going to take him. You know, you know, because I I still want him to be a monster, but I don't want him to go. I don't I don't want it to get too gross. So. Yeah, well, th- but then again, you know, even uh, nowadays, actual you can get away with those kind of things, and people actually. We'll watch and listen to that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, as far as the gore, a little bit of gore involved in, in it, uh, I think that they are, are a lot more, I don't know, desensitized to it now. Right. Well, I, interestingly and sadly, yes, I think that's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> although, uh, like I said, the the as far as like we were talking about earlier you know leaving some things to the imagination you know in in the last chapter that was there you heard the, there was a distress call from the uh from the ship that's brought the u-boat the, the crate up from the u-boat um and you know you hear the the attack of the person but of course you know that's leaving it to the imagination and then um you know kind of uh kind of, kind of giving a sneak preview to the upcoming chapter, there is going to be uh, a video clip of an attack. Um, Oh, so so somebody somebody got a video of it. Yeah. But again, he doesn't doesn't show up on camera. Right. So So you just see the people kind of flinging, uh, you know, something has a hold of them, they're screaming, and, and then they fling them after 
you know, after they're done with them. Something like yeah, it's 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 kind of stylized. It's 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 very. Uh, I liken it to kind of a Blair Witch kind of shot. <laughs> so we're in the woods at night. So. Ah okay. Yeah, there you go. So uh, I think it's interesting how you have taken the idea and and modernized it. But I'm thinking that you you designed this originally in the 1990s. Yes. So, do you think I had? Did you have to actually uh, bring it even to date because of that? Yeah, uh, I did because there, there was one character who um, I had kind of uh, as a descent, descendant of um, of the Weston Row family uh, from the from the origin, original novel because um, it was mentioned in the book that there was a distant relative. So I have that this is this lineage is from that distant relative, but they're very they're still wealthy. And to show the wealth, you know, in the script, she had a, a she had a car phone, you know, back in 1992. So that just sounds like you know she 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 had a lot of money, because in 1992, not a lot of pe- not everybody had you know mobile phones. It was still yeah. relatively new. Of course, you know, I'm reading that in my pilot script, going, yeah, <laughs> that just looks so lame now. Um, so yeah, you know, now of course everybody has. Uh, has a has a phone or a mobile device, you know, well, almost everybody. <laughs> uh, but right. It, it, it's very com- it's very commonplace now. It's you know you you can't even find a a, a payphone anymore, you know, around around here. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everybody has the uh, you know I, I went you know last time I was in New York I went to see a show in the theater and they have the the phone booths there still in the in the in the lobby but there there's no phone in it. Yeah. <laughs> and so. so yeah, so making making changes like that, um, you know, sort of some things had to be updated. Uh, you know, even even in writing it back in '92, DNA was still only you know as far as being used as science in 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 crime, it was only five years old at that point. Right. You know, so right. it was that was still a new science that didn't 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 even touch on in in the in the old. Uh, in in my TV scripts initially, and that's and, and it's like you you were asked about the whole CSI thing. Well, yeah, that's going to have to come in. The forensics and criminology is is going to have to come into the story, and it's going to be a little bit different. So, so yeah, those, they, those little a little more modern update. Yeah, and here it's only been you know thir- you know ten years, but it's yeah. uh, it's it definitely. Things that have changed within the last ten years, uh, like, like the guy who just got off uh, after being in, you know, in prison for quite a while for a crime he didn't commit, um, finally being, being able to be exonerated because of DNA that they found to be not his. So, yes. <laughs> uh, there's there, there's been sadly of quite there's been a few quite a few cases like that here in Canada too, and. Uh, but yeah, so it's um, yeah little little things like that, you know, like sort of as far as the technology, um, and but the communications has has exploded, and since again the Stoker's novel was all about how people were communicating back then, I'm using the the communication style of today to now tell the story, and again everybody ha- will have a little bit of the puzzle, but not everybody has the complete puzzle. And, oh, right. and 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 readers reading along uh online and and 
every every week or so it'll we'll, we'll update the story and uh you know the readers will of course they know what dracula is they know what dracula <laughs> right uh, was <laughs> and is but you know, as far as these con- characters are concerned they first of all you, to to believe that uh, vampires exist that's you know that's just it's fiction you know that's it's it's got to be something more logical than that Right, so uh, you're taking urgent urban fantasy then, um, yeah. because that's, that's that's taking a fiction character like Dracula and bringing him into our our reality. Uh, what city exactly are you coming into? New York, or is that yes, the ship uh, coming? In? Yeah, I'm setting I'm setting a, a good chunk of it in New York. Okay, and I know you're from Toronto. Are you still are you living in? Canada? Yes, I am. Although I, I have spent, uh, uh, I've been to, to New York actually for a while there. I was, I was like there almost every other month. Uh, but uh, and again, back to uh, the old, the old, uh, the old research stuff. And actually, I'm looking at it right now. I have this book on New York and some of the old, uh, um, the old subway system. That, that uh-huh. existed in some of the old old tunnels because I'm taking again with with Dracula I'm putting him underground so you know so I've I've done some research to some of a bit of old New York as well. Oh, okay. Actually, I've done a lot of research on old New York. So. So you went to yeah, uh, New York to find a, find out a lot of that information in the library, sir? Uh, no, I actually well I have I have. Uh, um, Actually, I, bu- I bu- picked up some books while I was down in New York the last time. So, and uh, and yeah, and I have friends in New York, and uh, and even when I'm um, working on Depth of Deception, you know, and and other stories, it's you know the whole communication system is is great because I would sometimes because uh, uh, Depth of Deception was set in New York, but in um, in the eighties. Um, but I would occasionally, you know, just e- uh, email some friends or, and say, "Okay, I need to find out something." <laughs> and and it wasn't just even in New York; it was also things in in England as well. Um, you know, somebody had uh, posted they were they were in in, in England, and actually even working on the, this this uh, um, the Victor Hugo story. Somebody was in Paris on and they posted pictures on Facebook, and I said, "Are you there right now? Can you go and, and look something up for me?" <laughs> So, uh, the whole the whole social networking and the way of of reaching out and finding things through people, you know, I said I need a picture of this, and and, yeah. and people are really helpful that way. You know, my, at least my friends have been, you know. Um, so it's it's uh, that does come in handy. I had a uh, author just told me today. Um, that in order to get some information about Nepal, he actually talked to some Nepal where he could do certain scenes from his book. So right. he was in contact with them, you know, back and forth uh, throughout in order to get some research that you wouldn't normally get from books. Because, again, that's a part of the world that we don't really know as much about. So uh, he plans actually going to uh, Nepal in uh, a few months from now, and he's going to take these people out to dinner to, to help them with the research. Well, so. well, that's that's actually very very good of him. And yeah, 
you know, it's, it's uh, what a what a interesting uh, opportunity and experience for for helping him in that. You know, like you said, yeah. it's not something that anybody else would have access to or be able to have been able to find out just you know from their the comfort of their home. You know, without having that kind of assistance. Exactly. I mean, that's what Facebook kind of does for us is it, it brings uh, you know, other parts of the world closer to us. And 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 that's kind of what I'm playing with with the Undead series. So it's yeah. it, it's going to be kind of fun and, uh, it, and it will be challenging because like you said, there will be some things that's like, okay, we need to... It's the world is smaller now as a result of this, you know. Yeah. Things get, you know, gets, yeah, get a lot faster. You know, when Stoker wrote um, his novel in, in the 1890s, you know, the the telegram was was the the fast way of of sending something, you know. And I don't even think it does anybody even use a telegram anymore. I don't even know if a telegram are <laughs> in existence. That's in his it's in history now. <laughs> yeah. I have a special question from Cloud Nation Radio, and they're asking, uh, how's the market for short story fiction and nonfiction novellas? How is the market for it? Um, it's, it's it's a good that's a good question. Um, I I don't I don't know how good it is. I've I have a short story that's on Amazon called uh, Same Crime Tomorrow, and I had adapted that also from something I had wrote as a short film. And short films don't make money at all; they really don't. And this short film would have been so expensive to shoot that it just uh, it was everyone said it's a cool idea. When are you going to shoot it? I just it was. It was going to cost over a hundred thousand dollars to shoot it, and that's with everybody donating their time, you know, yeah. on it. And uh, so I wrote it as as a as a little short story, and then you know, like changed changed the narrative style and put it up there on on Amazon. Um, and it's done okay. It's it doesn't usually it's not a big seller, although I you know. You're only going to put so much money into publicizing something that's you know only like 14 pages long, uh, if right. that. Um, so, um, whereas Depth of Deception, you know, has been has still been constantly still doing well. Um, it's uh, not enough for me to you know retire or, or anything on <laughs> just yet. But you know, I'm still hoping uh, to, to see the numbers go up faster. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't see that it has been. Now I have another short story, um, "Remember Me," and it's in part of a uh, part of an anthology, and um, it's also on through through Amazon. But I that I don't I don't have the numbers on how well that has been doing mm-hmm. uh, as far as the anthology books. So um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how. How well that is from my own personal experience. Um, you know, it hasn't been that staggering. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, undead, the way I'm doing it is, it, it is, it's different. I don't even know if how if other people have done done anything like this. I know people have posted short stories or gone chapter by chapter on sites like Wattpad or uh, other sites like that. 
um, which are things that are work in, pro- work in progress or something like that. Because you're uh, using mixed media in order to actually bring your story. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, but, you know, I, I put the prologue on there, but I, I even had to say, unfortunately, you, I can't, you can't see this picture that they're making reference to here. Uh, I have to go to the website. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah. so using the mixed media, uh, like I said, I don't know if that has been done before. This is kind of... I don't know. It's, it's, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, this is kind of new territory. You know, the, the internet's been around for last ten plus years, but um, but as far as being able to tell the story like this, and actually, I had considered doing something like this, not with this one, but more with the older, with the original novels. You know, just putting, you know, like here's the letter, here's the telegram, that sort of thing, and I was creating kind of. Um, JPEG and, and GIF images of stuff, and you know this was back in '97 during the centennial anniversary of Dracula, and the internet. Most people are on dial-up, and the internet bandwidth was much smaller, and it just took forever to download one image. So it's like, okay, well this is not going to work, and you know, in in such a short amount of time, you know, so much has changed as far as what can get out there and what's what's posted and you know even the the each chapter so far has you know either has you know has broken up with text and then we'll have an image or we'll have there's some photos and and I'm I'm using even photos from uh previous Dracula things I have worked on um production wise um and uh, you know I had to contact the actress who played uh Lucy Westenra and Mina Harker from a different thing to say, okay, here's this publicity picture we took. Can I use? Do you mind if I use this for this as this old photo that they found? No, oh, go ahead. So there we go. Okay. Um, you know, so so, so you so you did have to get some permission to use some of your historical stuff, even if yeah. if it had to do with the original movie. Uh, with the original. Um, there were definitely like for example that photo if because I, I was using it this is the photo that we have um, that I'm it's going to be part of the story and it's going to be incorporated into it so I did want to get permission to uh, to do that I also used uh, in the last chapter I used um, uh, a photo that I was able to to get get permission for of a storm hitting New York but I still needed to put the photo credit at the bottom so at the bottom of the the page I had to I had to give the photo credit for that sort of thing. Uh, some other things, a lot of other things, I created myself. So, um, mm-hmm. some of the other uh, images, or the uh, even the the text message, the character names. So those are all, those are all fictional. Yeah, I would normally ask you if you if if you consider putting some of your nonfiction, you know, the things that you found out and putting into a smaller story, not not story, but a smaller book. Kind of, kind of give the idea of what things that you found, but I think what you're doing is you're using a lot of that and actually incorporating into your mixed media. Yeah, totally. So uh, that's exactly, and and that's been that's been part of the fun and part of the what's what's made this a kind of an interesting project to work on. Um, and it's just for me, it, it's it's great because I had this story from 20 years ago that has been just sitting. Uh, on my shelf for a long yeah. time. Yeah, 
And as a matter of fact, uh, as I, there's there's a little section in the uh, on the website. There's about, and it has a little bit of a history, some of which which I have t- uh, talked about here already. Um, but uh, one of the things, and I have a uh, an image there under the about, the old floppy disk that I had the the files on, that of the that I had the pilot script on. So I had to um, get the get these that whole script off off of a floppy disk and it's uh, fortunately I still have a computer that has a floppy drive in it but it's good luck finding you know it's a good thing I'm doing this now because you know in the, in, a, in another 5 years I don't think you'll be able to find anything like that <laughs> so right. it's not. Right. um because definitely you can't buy a computer now with a floppy drive uh, no no you, you have to go back uh, again something that you've been using for a doorstop you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. And literally, and that, the other thing I didn't get into on the side, but I suddenly, and I went to log on, you know, and, and this is, I'm sure you can relate, when you're, when you're a writer, you get very paranoid someone's going to steal your idea. Um, and so <laughs> yeah. I, of course, had I, I had I had the this document password protected. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, now I have to think of what password did I have 20 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it, just, uh, and it took me all day to figure this out, and I even called friends, you know, who, uh, one of my oldest friends. Okay, you know, what would and we started asking me questions. Okay, who were who did we know then? What were we doing then? What kind of job? What job were you at then? And of course, it was none 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 of that. It was so, so much more obscure. So, but um, but yeah, so it's. It, for me, it's I'm finishing on my original thought because I digress here, as you noticed. Um, it's been interesting to get this off the shelf and actually put the story out there, you know. Um, and uh, you know, rather than it just you know sitting there, and so it's 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 given it some life in a, in a in a very interesting and kind of creative, and it's been kind of fun doing doing this. And there's even the for the for the video. I lost him. Hang on a second. Lost. We lost Alexander. So, let's see if he notices. <laughs> let's see if he notices here and called us back. He just suddenly dropped off. Let me make sure mine's working. Yeah, it's definitely not on my end. We lost him suddenly. And sometimes that happens with uh, telephones. So, (laughs) until he calls back. Um, I didn't write down his number, of course. Oh, there he is. We lost you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what happened to there. <laughs> um, I'm going like, is it me? I was looking, no. Mine's running fine. That suddenly just totally dropped. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 this time, because like, cause last time I was I was talking to you on a cell phone. This time I used uh, using a landline, so it didn't. You know, because I noticed, uh, you know, the the volume would kept dropping in and out when I was talking to you last time. 
Yeah, um, it always depends on on a lot of things. You know, the phone lines are using. Uh, you know, uh, there's a long distance between you and me. I'm in Arizona. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, that's true. So uh, we were talking about uh, some uh, the mixed media and that you're using and uh, how it's it's interesting how you're using uh, the different things and able to use nonfiction ideas uh, and in order to bring that to reality. So it's yes. really great. <laughs> I'm not sure where we were. It's, no, that was just it. pretty much where we were. Here for a moment. What was my train of thought before that? I was uh, I totally lost uh, <laughs> where I had been. I think I was just talking about that it's been kind of nice just to um, – just to bring it back and give it give it life again, um, yeah. Rather than it just sitting doing nothing. So now, did it and, did it take any Kickstarter program or any amount of money that uh, to be able to bring this mixed media into a reality on on the? Did you just need a website and uh, yeah, that's, that's, totally, that's totally what I've done now. You know, I'm I'm actually incorporating a lot of things that from. You know, because I used to do, um, had done graphics and I created props and stuff for for the film industry and for theater. And, you know, so I'm, you know, so creating, you know, props and things that we that I'm photographing or um, that um, that we have on, online, you know, so it's a lot of that sort of things, photoshopping stuff, um, the, that, uh, so I'm using some of my own background into it, uh, like sort of my own past history, so to speak, and then uh, using some of the other, like I said, that photograph that we had done from from a Dracula stage production, uh, and then there was a publicity, like I said, it was a publicity photo for a Dracula stage production, but I'm using using it now, like this is this old photo, and I and I aged it to look like an old photo as opposed to we had we just had a, a really nice picture, you know, when we when we had it back. Uh, when I had taken it originally. And then, yeah, I even uh, went back to some of the promo video stuff, and there's certain things that uh, I might be able to use some of that stuff. So it's things that I have already, I had already paid money in. Back in 92, I had, you know, mm. when we had shot this. So, you know, so using that sort of thing. But as far as creating the, the website, it was the registering the domain name, but a lot of, any of the stuff that I, that's pretty much on there, um, it hasn't, Required a lot of uh, a lot of capital on my end, uh, which has been very good because I really you know uh, <laughs> don't want to be doing that sort of thing right now you know, and then we'll see you know how how things go, um, you know if, as far as the the viewers viewership or readership goes so to speak you know uh, how what's going to happen as far as uh, how how it's going to evolve you know. <clears throat> it's interesting it, it, that you have. Just to let everybody know, on your website you have uh, you have things that you can sell. You got your logo, which is an interesting logo, by the way. Um, Thank you. And you've got them on T-shirts and coffee mugs. <laughs> well, that was just one of those, those those things we thought. Well, let's 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 we and we we had that for uh, something like that for when we did one of the the stage productions, and it it, it was kind of a, a fun thing. Um, it's and then like I said the like the logo did turn out quite nicely um 
if anyone I think you had it there on the on the top yeah. of the web page that you could see it's the the it looks like a bat but but the word undead with the hyphen is actually hidden in that in that bat I noticed that you, I do know that you said something about the other logo that you used with the rose and it actually says rose on it, which I did figure out. But you had uh, a couple other you, words in yeah. there that I didn't see. <laughs> I go, I'm like, yeah, where the, is the word? I, I could see rose. I couldn't yeah, see the other well, one. Uh, the, 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 the trick is, uh, the little hint I'll give you here, the word rose is totally, totally with just the rose. The word cross is hidden in the cross. So... Uh, uh okay. The, the 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 one that most people have trouble finding is the R in cross and you kinda have to tilt your your head sideways to see <laughs> to to uh to the left to see the R. So it, it, Yeah, I did it, try that. It's, I maybe I maybe I turned the head the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. No, so, yeah, the, the, R, the R is the tricky one, um, but it's it's all very intricate. So and and uh, and my wife um, Carmen Gillespie, she she's the illustrator, and she did the both both logos. Sorry, you're cutting out there. I just couldn't hear you there. Hello. Sorry, I'm I'm having trouble. I can I can I can hear you, but not I can't hear what you're saying. No, I'm still. Hmm. Trying to see if there's something here on my end. Hello? Are you there? Yeah, there you are. Okay. Okay. I unplugged it and plugged it back in. Maybe it's just, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes you just take unplugging it, you know? So I was saying that your your wife is a graphic designer and, and we have something in common. Oh, excellent, yes. Yeah, she's... Um... Yeah, she's she's a she's a talented illustrator and uh and um and yeah, it, it it turned out it turned out quite nice. So thought, well we gotta gotta use that, so um and so it like that the Rose and Cross has already been incorporated a couple of times, I think, uh, mm-hmm. in the in the story already. It's been on a in a wax seal and in the um and burnt into this this uh, old box and uh so again that goes back to my old uh, the, the whole graphics and props building background i have so now and they, on they, under under the about everyone needs to i'm going to save that and give that because if you scroll down uh, everyone there's a bunch of pictures uh down below and you've got some, yeah, obviously, stage shows and things like that from other episodes. Uh, 1997, 2001, and, uh, and, and 1999 even, and then back up to 2008, which is uh, you know, you're, you're from the undead. 
Oh, is that the is that the picture to 2013 of the disc that you had to get your? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so he has a picture of the floppy disk that we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And then, yeah, yeah. The... That's great. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> it says the Torian monograms on uh, the style of the Rosen Cross. And the yeah. end map, yeah. So the, the Rosen Crosses uh, Society is something that I've created just for this this series. That will be like a secret society that has uh, was formed after the um, actually I think I have it from before uh, that is formed in. They know about the vampires, but the rest of the world doesn't. So. So tell us about your characters. Uh, so far, we have uh, the characters we've in- introduced thus far is Dices Harker, um, who is aspiring to be a writer. Again, and I've I've kind of mirrored that to Mina Harker from the original novel, who was also aspiring to be a writer and was kind of a, a school mistress, but gave it up to to be a, a dutiful wife. Um, unlike Mina, this one has no romantic uh, attachments at the at the moment. Uh, we have her friend, uh, Judy Westenra, um, who's a little well off, whereas Dysis is a struggling student and has had to save up money to uh, to go to England, where she was trying to find out a little bit about her family and found nothing, um, except some old photos. And um, I just, I just um, Alexander, I just realized we're, we're almost at the time that we're supposed to be on. Okay. We've got one minute and 45 seconds to say goodbye to you. <laughs> okay. This is, uh, it was such a great conversation that we just, you know, kept going. Um, I, we, we've got to do this again sometime, okay? Well, and then once we a, once we get the fun. video, once we get the video fixed, we'll go ahead and and do something about that, and do, maybe do a short uh, video uh, interview with you, okay? That'll be terrific. That'd be great. And, uh, yes, and the video, there will be a video in this this upcoming chapter, so there'll be a small video clip so people can look right. forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. All right. So, so I want to say good night and thanks so much for coming on with me. Well, thank you very much for, for having me uh, again on 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 the on the interview. So I've, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. No problem. And and again, I will I'll be sending you the embedded code so that way you can do whatever you want with it, okay? All right. Well, terrific. Thank you very much, and uh, good night to everyone. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Happy reading. <laughs> Definitely. That was Alexander Gallant, and we're so happy to have him on board. Um, we have something going on uh, next week. I uh, will be putting that up pretty soon here. And definitely have another one coming up uh, the week after that. So we've got a couple shows per day, per week um, coming up. So definitely check check online with, on uh, KWAD Radio. And this is Patty Holstrand signing out for the day. And you guys have a great night.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.